a long time ago on a spinner rack far, far away. The Comic Book Time Machine presents Marvel's Cosmic Comics, exploring Marvel's licensed sci-fi and fantasy during the Star Wars period. Episode 16, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, number 2. I'm Ben, Ben Avery. I'm a comic book time machine, time traveler, comic book collector, comic book reader, and comic book writer. And right now I am ready to to talk about some romping, stomping, chomping comics. In case you weren't weren't able to figure out from the context clues in that sentence and also from the the prelude there, uh, we're getting ready to talk about Godzilla. And uh, if I had to give this episode a title beyond Godzilla King of Monsters number two, I think I, I think I'd have to call it "Blinded by the Light." And I'm going to refrain from. No, I'm not. I'm not going to refrain. Blinded by the light. There, got it out of my system. Okay, uh, Godzilla number two. Uh, release date is May thirty first, nineteen seventy seven. Thirty cent cover price again. And with Godzilla, as with all of these, we open with a splash page. I do feel a little bit embarrassed that this is the first time uh, that I've done this that I realized every single issue of these comics has been, they start with a splash page. And maybe it's just this month that they all did that. Or maybe it's, I just haven't noticed, but uh, they all are starting with a splash page. So Godzilla number two has Godzilla on the cover, uh, eating the top of the Seattle Space Needle like a hamburger, uh, like a hamburger as big as his head. So <laughs> maybe one of those hamburgers, you know, at those restaurants where uh, you order this huge, huge hamburger. And if you eat the whole thing, you get it for free and you get your picture on the wall of the restaurant. Um you know, like a Polaroid picture or whatever. But um, anyway, uh, yes, he's eating it. And it, yeah, it looks like he's eating it like a, like just a nice big juicy burger. And when we go inside, then um, we get this full page splash of the big G destroying Seattle. He's left Alaska. He's wounded by the shield laser. And now he's mad. He's stomping mad. And again, people have to be dying here. They have to be. I mean, there's no way around the property damage that he is doing. People are dying. Because, I mean, they, they are like, uh, they are evacuating people from the different you know places of the city. But there's just no way around it. And, and this is where I would have expected them maybe to have Godzilla in some places that weren't as populated. But no. He's walking right through the city. He's destroying helicopters, buildings, all kinds of things, especially the helicopter. There's a helicopter that it's 
he just he just destroys it with his atomic breath and it's done it's gone and so this is not good and we'll come back to that and toward the end here but during the destruction we get backstory on the helicarrier we have the quote unquote Godzilla squad and uh, apparently f- since the mid 50s so we're talking you know a few decades not not too many because we're in the end of the 70s now for the uh, the comic book but since the mid 50s Godzilla ha- and many other monsters have been just wreaking havoc on Japan. And this is really interesting because uh, there's no response from the superpowered heroes of the rest of the world to come in and help take care of these monsters. Um, this is the worst example ever that I've seen of the Avengers problem, which is um, that while the, the movies of the Godzilla series seem to have been happening uh, side by side, with the Marvel universe, or at least events very, very similar to the movie series have been occurring side by side to the history of the Marvel universe as we know it, as the Avengers are, are, you know, building their team and and as the X-Men are, are, you know, building their team and as Spider-Man is getting his powers and all these things are happening. And they never, ever, ever got a call from Japan asking for help. I mean, we're talking the Avengers. You have, a god, a literal Norse god on their team, uh, you would think that maybe they would have thought, hey, Reed Richards, Hank Pym, Tony Stark, maybe they could help us out with some stuff here. Um, but no, it's just all happening, and it's just it's just like Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and people are saying, well, where are the Avengers? Why aren't they calling out the Avengers? Uh, this is Japan spending decades just being harassed by monsters and they never think to ask, you know, why don't we call the Avengers? Anyway, uh, so they have a debate about the nature of Godzilla. And is he, uh, they, they refer to him as the lesser of two evils because he's going out and fighting the monsters that are coming. Um, but they, he's dangerous. But the question is, is he elemental or is he, is he evil? And then we have oh, the Kenny of the of the book the Kenny his name is Rob Rob Takaguchi and uh as they're debating you know the debates going back and forth um but then <laughs> when when one of the people uh says that Godzilla can't cannot be fairly judged evil because he's that elemental force and then you hear this voice off panel and everyone turns to look that's right Godzilla is not evil and then Dum Dum Dugan says what in the blazes uh which that wasn't very good dum dum dugan voice but anyway um <laughs> rob says many times he has saved our people from real evil and many of us think of him as a hero he must not die and you must not be allowed to kill him uh <laughs> dum dum dugan says so the kid does have a tongue huh <sighs> And it's just, I mean, this is just like, um, well, I've been watching a lot of Gamera movies with my kids, the Mystery Science Theater 3000 uh, Gamera versions. But you have the little kid who's able to come into, you know, the military meetings and he's able to interrupt it and say, Gamera is the, the, the friend of all children. You know, and here you have it again. Godzilla, he's not evil. He's a hero. Anyway, Nick Fury has a plan. It's a cockeyed plan, quote unquote cockeyed. Um, and they don't know how they're going to pay for it. 
but then it's revealed that Anthony Stark, he is going, he's willing to give them whatever they need to make this, this plan happen. Again, why didn't they just ask Anthony Stark before? Anyway, they, they still have to get final approval on the final part of the plan from the city council of Seattle, and they are going to have a vote. <laughs> and so then you have Gabe and he's, he's, Standing there and he's saying, you know, blasting Godzilla was a bad idea. Now he's wounded and he's enraged. And it's a race to stop the big G before he destroys the Space Needle. Then we have some nice things going on there. They're gonna um they're going to evacuate the Space Needle and and we have a nice page turner shock where you turn the page, people are looking and they scream at something, you turn the page and you see just Godzilla's face in the window of the restaurant. And it's, it's, it's effective. It's good. Meanwhile, the plan that they have is to cause, uh, have a light chain because Godzilla is apparently attracted to lights and they're going to position their little, little, uh, shield ships and all these different places, making a line to the ocean. And they're going to turn on their light and Godzilla will come toward it. And then they're going to turn off your light. And Godzilla, and the next one will turn his light on, and Godzilla will, will just walk past that first one toward the next one. And so they they start this chain, and it's working. Godzilla is following it. He gets to a cliff side at the edge of the ocean, and he won't follow the next one. And so there, the the plan now has changed, and they are going to blind him with helicarrier lights, which is why uh, the song at the beginning. They're going to blind him with the helicarrier lights. It's going to catch him off balance. And then they're going to shoot giant boxes at him. Literally shoot giant cubes that are just weight. It's just solid something. And this is going to knock him off balance and push him into the water. And the plan is working. They're going to knock Godzilla off the cliff. He falls into the water. But now the question is, will he turn back on them? Or will he just go out into the sea? And it turns out that he does. He he turns around and goes out to the sea. And Gabe then says, I don't feel like one of the good guys. And I'm going to read the dialogue here because this is just... Uh, I, I I have some problems here with with our writer. You know, the, our... our uh, the, I should read the, uh, the credits here. Doug Mensch is the writer. Herb Trimpey is the artist. Um... Gia Koya and Tuska are inkers. Jay Costanza is letterer. And Jan Cohen is, is colorist. And Archie Goodwin is the editor. Here's, here's the dialogue. Uh, good work, Woo. And you too, Gabe. Ain't every day we get to save a whole blamed city. I figure we got a right to be proud on this one, says Dum Dum Dugan. Except for one thing, Dum Dum, says Gabe. And he's obviously not calling him a Dum Dum, the way Mach- Mr. Machine would call people Dum Dums. Yeah, what's that? And then this is Gabe. Somehow, after seeing that thing blinded, confused like that, and what we did to it, well, I guess I just don't feel like one of the good guys this time. <laughs> okay, we'll come back to that in a minute, because let's move over to Rob Takaguchi, who stands at the helicarrier's port and watches as the hand of man returns, lighting the, the night with Seattle's glorious skyline, because they turned all the lights off in the city for their plan. The Americans are clever and resourceful, but they still have much to learn. They actually believe Godzilla wished to harm them, that he would turn back on them once he had found the sea. They just don't understand him, but I do. 
And that's why I am Godzilla's only hope. Here's my problem. Godzilla's killing people. Godzilla is destroying, I mean, forget all the property damage, forget all the money that this is going to cost. Although that is something that, you know, you could factor into the equation, but Godzilla is killing people. He's killing shield agents. He's killing civilians. He's killing uh, city officials. He's killing people. And Gabe doesn't feel like one of the good guys because they confused him and threw him off a cliff and he swam away. And Robert or Rob apparently knows Godzilla better than anyone else because he's Godzilla's only hope. And I just think I get the whole idea that this is, you know, it's a, a it's a scientific discovery versus this is something um, terrible, you know, and we must destroy it. And that tension, it never works for me when you have it in a movie where Godzilla is an elemental force that is destroying things and destroying people. The last or only example of a species of giant lizard that only exists to, even if it's just an animal, just to eat and get by, but in its path is killing thousands and thousands or even just hundreds and hundreds of people. Or you know what? I'm just going to throw it out there. Even just dozens and dozens of people. Um, No, you are one of the good guys, Gabe. You just saved lives by pushing him into the water. You saved lives. I don't care if he looked like a confused or scared little animal who's 30 stories high. You save lives. So I, no awards here for good sci-fi to me. I don't, sometimes that dynamic can work in a movie, and and it does get you thinking about ideas, but the only idea it gets me thinking about is you guys are ridiculous, man. You are ridiculous. Uh, pretty clearly, this is just a whole bunch of dis- destruction for this issue and some battling. And then it tries for a gray ending, but it's not really a gray ending. Big G was killing people. They drew him away. They pushed him to water. Rob's monologue, it's a meaningless thing to me. I, I, I do wonder, you know, how far they're going to take it as we move on. But I'm just, I'm, uh, of all of the series that I've read so far, even Logan's Run, this is the one I'm just kind of sitting back and kind of wondering, okay, where is this going to go? And is this going to get better? I don't remember when I read this the first time I, I read it when I first bought it and I first bought it when it was first published. I'm talking about the essential Godzilla and that was first published in 2006. So we're talking almost a decade ago that I read this. Um, <laughs> and maybe it's just that it's not for me, maybe a kid coming across that and, and feeling like, Oh, Godzilla, we shouldn't have treated him so badly. Um, maybe a kid who's not thinking through all the consequences of what Godzilla is doing would, would get something a little bit more out of it. But I'm, I'm feeling a little, a little wary, a little nervous about what's going to happen next with issue three. Uh, the only, the one thing that was kind of funny was the voting where they had to wait on the vote from Seattle to see if they could actually do the plan. That was kind of fun. That was kind of funny. But the problem was just like the death star at the beginning of, uh, the star Wars issue we just read, we never see it. We never see the council arguing, uh, whether or not, you know, should we spend the money? Should we 
risk losing money by shutting down everything in the city, you know, and that's where, yeah, the ridiculousness of that, where it's not your heroes being ridiculous, but it's, you know, these caricatures who are meant to be ridiculous. That's where I kind of enjoy things like that, like in Jaws, you know, where should we shut down the beach or not? That's where this could have really gone and done a riff on that. But instead, it's just it all happens off panel. We find out about it in dialogue. And they they just went ahead and did it without any vote. Uh, they said, well, forget the vote. We're just going to go ahead and do this. You know, the voters were never seen. And so the, here I wonder if we're looking at maybe a victim of the Marvel method. Um, you know, Marvel method is where the you have an outline of a story that goes to the artist. The artist then chooses how to draw that from that outline of that story. And then the finished artwork goes back to the writer who fills in the dialogue or goes back to the someone else maybe who would be called the scripter. Um, and if it was somebody else, it would be plot and script versus just plain writer. And he would you know, fill in the dialogue and everything like that. And it's a fun method to use, by the way. I really – I've done it on a couple projects and I really enjoy doing that. But I wonder if the uh, the voting was in the outline – but it just never got drawn by Herb Trimpey. And so then when Doug Bench got the art back, he's like, well, um, they didn't really show the voting, but I can still, I can still put in some dialogue and, and the voting can still be in there. So it's inserted in that way. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, I'm just, I'm not feeling terribly excited with Godzilla right now, except for one thing. And that is that next issue, we get the champions. Who are the champions? <laughs> well, the champions are a team of heroes that really should never have been published, I think, because it just doesn't make sense to me as to, you know, we've got the Avengers, which are all of the greatest heroes. And then you've got the X-Men who weren't being published at this time, I believe. I believe they were doing maybe reprints of the X-Men books. Um, but Iceman and Angel were in a team when they were on their break from the the uh, the X-Men. And they were on a team with Black Widow. Ghost Rider and Hercules. <laughs> and so that team, I love that team. I have, I've only read a couple issues of the champions and they're because they appeared in other books that were, you know, other graphic novels that were collecting other things that weren't the champions. I eventually would like to get my hands on the champions, uh, essential volume, but um, I love this idea of this team. Ghost Rider. Black Widow and Hercules, and then you have Iceman and Angel. Angel's my favorite X-Man. And so I'm excited because in issue three of Godzilla, we get to see my favorite X-Man go up against Godzilla. We get to see Hercules, another favorite character of mine, although not necessarily the version that we're going to be reading in here, but going up against Godzilla. I don't know where this is going to go, but at least next issue, I get to see Hercules, and I get to see the Angel, and I get to see them going up against Godzilla, who almost looks like... Um, the Godzilla that I know and love. So, Thanks for listening to the Comic Book Time Machine's Marvel's Cosmic Comics feed. You can find more discussion of many, many more comics like Superman and Spider-Man, What Ifs and Elseworlds, The Six Million Dollar Man and Batman, comics seven days old and seven decades old, on our main feed, which you can find on iTunes or at comicbooktimemachine.com. We'd also love it if you join us on Facebook at facebook.com or on Twitter, where we are at Comic Time.
Next episode, John Carter, Warlord of Mars, number four. 